What's good, everybody? Would Dylan Brooks be a fit in the 202? And we're going to grade Daniel Gafford. How would you guys grade it? We're going to talk about it next on Locked On Wizards. You are Locked On Wizards, your daily Washington Wizards podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Wizards your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. So today we are going to discuss, would Dylan Brooks be a fit in D.C.? And what would you give Daniel Gafford as an end-of-the-season grade this season? So let's get into it. As you know, in NBA news, the Memphis Grizzlies said, under no circumstances are they going to bring Dylan Brooks back. (laughs) So, E, in your mind, would you pick him up and why? Do you, do you think he would fit? First of all, that state, I've never seen something like that before. Uh, for a team to just come out and say, under no circumstances, anything that we're not bringing you back. We don't care what happens. I thought it was a little disrespectful. I thought it was a little unprofessional from the Grizzlies. Now, I get it. Dylan Brooks has done some unprofessional things himself. He said, I'm out after the game. He didn't talk to reporters. Reportedly, he didn't take a shower after the game as well. Just got on the plane. So I get, you know, and I talk to the media that can be unprofessional too. And he's talked so much trash. He's talked so much trash about other players and whatnot. Um, I know he said to LeBron, he said, I don't care. He's old. I poke bears. I don't respect no one until they come and give me 40. Next thing you know, they get blown out by the Lakers and they, they get beat in the first round. So um, Dylan Brooks, is a he's a good player, man. He's a productive player. He, he plays hard. He has an identity. Of playing hard, talking trash, playing with a lot of physicality. He's going to get up in people's faces, which the Wizards don't have any type of players that do that and play with it. Maybe Jordan Goodwin here and there. Um, maybe Denny defensively here and there sometimes. But we don't have a lot of dogs on this team. And what I will say is that Dylan Brooks, he plays with an edge and a chip on his shoulder. Yes, he played awful in the playoffs. Uh, he shot, what, 20? He was so bad in the playoffs. It was just He was ridiculously, ridiculously bad in the playoffs. 23% from the three. Um, 31% from the field. I mean, which was just atrocious. I mean, he, he was awful. He really was bad. He just kept shooting the ball too. Like no self-awareness, no shot selection awareness. Uh, his shot selection was very poor in the playoffs. So I get the frustration with the, from the Grizzlies organization for sure. But now I think his value has depreciated. Um, just looking at the raw numbers from Dylan, Bro- Dylan Brooks has been a productive player for him to be a second round pick, the 45th pick in the draft out of Oregon. This guy is athletic. He's strong. He's got a good build to him. 6'7", 225 pounds. Can put the ball on the floor. Um, he, he can shoot the ball a little bit. Good free throw shooter. Heck of a defender. Um, last year, he averaged 18, uh, 18 points a game in 2022 and then 14 points a game in 2023. And this, this kind of reminds me of the whole Jay Crowder conversation that we had. Kind of similar players where they just talk trash. They're 3 and D guys. They're not the most skilled guys, but they're kind of guys that you need with that edge and that chip on, on their shoulder. And, and the Wizards, like I said, the Wizards lack physicality. We're a finesse team. We're a bunch of nice guys, which is fine. That's what Ted wanted. That's what Tommy Shepard, the former GM, wanted. He wanted a bunch of nice guys. And I think if Dylan can relax, and part of his game is talking trash that gets him hyped up and energized, but if he can relax and pick his battles um, and, and just calm down a little bit with the trash, you don't want to give other teams fuel to the fire because I think he gave LeBron and those guys a lot of fuel to the fire, and that's why a, a big reason why they're frustrated with Dylan Brooks. 
Um, but look, man, if they can get him for the mid-level exception for like 10 mil, 12 million dollars, I don't mind it at all. Because like I said, we just lack physicality. If they're still trying to win games, because the Wizards aren't they're not gonna add a bunch of talent. We're just not. Like, let's be real here with, with Brad on the books, Porzingis on the books, and then possibly trying to bring back Kuz. Um, a lineup of Brad, Kuz, if if Kuz stays Porzingis at the five and Dylan Brooks at the three, just playing tough defense. Um, and point guard X. You're still not making the playoffs, or you're really going to be a playing team, but at least you have a guy that can defend Brad. And Dylan Brooks, he used to shut down Brad. I remember the game where Dylan Brooks was like, oh, I didn't sleep the night before the game because I wanted to guard Bradley Bill. And he made it really, really tough on Brad. The Wizards were interested in in, um, in Dylan Brooks. They almost traded for Brooks. I know uh, we were talking about it before. It was like Marshawn Brooks. They accidentally had that. And there was a report um, from Quentin Mayo that I remember uh, I pulled up the tweet right here. He said, the Washington Wizards have internally discussed a handful of names so far this offseason, I'm told. DeMar DeRozan, Dorian Finney-Smith, Dylan Brooks, and Justin, Justice Winslow. So that, that was a tweet or report that he came out on uh, July 2021. So the Wizards have been connected to Dylan Brooks numerous, numerous times. I know it's a new GM coming in, but a lot of t- he's kind of the he's, – he's the guy that – he's the joke of the league right now. Everybody's making jokes on him. But at the same time, I really think he's I think he's a good player. I think he's a productive player. There's some stats that I found about him, too, that shows that he really is a, a productive defender in this league, too. You got to bring Dylan Brooks D.C. straight up. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of hate. And I get it. You know, we were talking about before, man. This is, you know, what have you done for me lately, league? Because now everybody's loving Russell Westbrook. But <laughs> the last couple of years, they were hating on him. So it's all about what have you done for him lately. And he came at the supposed king of the NBA. So – um, you know, he's going to get knocked for that. I don't understand the hate. You know, I've heard people say that he's the worst player in the NBA. Really? Like, like for real? Like, come on. Like, no, come on. Um, yeah, bring him to DC. Yeah, absolutely. He's an elite defender. Um, even if they bring Kuz back, KP got the solid three going forward. He's not expected to score a lot. He's expected to play defense. You know, he's going to be the defensive guy. He's going to guard the best player on the other team. You know, we need more dogs. We need more dogs. We need more attitude. We need to stop smiling and high-fiving and arguing with the ref. No, we need to get nasty. We need guys who come in here and get a couple tees. Now, I'm not saying get suspended. I'm saying some attitude. You know, we need some attitude because this is a city with attitude. We need attitude. And he's going to provide that. Um, I mean, yeah, his three-point shot and his jump shot was inconsistent. Um, if you look at the stats, he did shoot 39% uh, from field goal, 32 from three, average around three rebounds, two assists, one still a game and 14 points per game. But again, coming into DC, he's not expected to carry a lot of the offensive load. So it's a win-win. I mean, like I said, if we can get him for the mid-level exception, outstanding. But yeah, like you said, you hit the nail on the head. And it's a perfect point to this whole thing. His value is low. Grab him. He's gonna have a chip on his shoulder. Come to DC, where it's not a lot of lights on you. It's not LA, it's not Boston, it's not New York, not a lot of pressure. You know, the media, I mean, I'm, the media right now is more focused on the government than they are on basketball or anything, you know. So there's no pressure here as far as media. So, you know, I think it's a perfect fit. We need attitude. Now, I know I'm going I'm to get hit for this, man, but if they bring back the solid three and you add Dylan Brooks, man, they're a playoff team. In my opinion, they're a playoff team, I think, because if you got, you know, especially with Denny, Kispert, you know, Johnny Davis has made improvements on that bench, you know, add a point guard, then we're cooking. But this is this is the type of move that the GM coming into DC needs to make because it's an under the radar move. Because look, most people are shying away from Dylan Brooks right now. I mean, he's got so much bad publicity to his name, but that's the point. Look, 48 laws of power, man. Business 101. All news is good news. All attention is good attention, even bad attention. 
So look, he's he got his value went down. Grab him, bring him here because he is a elite defender. Now, yeah, I get it. The trash talk, you know, add fuel to the fire. But I mean, I, I feel you, man. But here's my thing. You know, I'm an '80s baby, man. I grew up in uh, you know an era of basketball where you know you had cats who were fighting. You know, they, I mean, you know, come on, man. What, what are we talking about now, man? Like we get on him because he's trash talking LeBron. Like really, like really. People used to slam Jordan to the ground. I mean, people used to fight. Look at look at old tapes of Larry Bird, man. Magic. Look, look, what, what are you talking about, man? Like, you upset because he's talking trash? Yeah, absolutely. Dennis Rodman talked trash all the time, and Dennis Rodman is the best on-ball defender rebounder in the NBA history. So I mean, and I think I'm comparing Dylan Brooks to Dennis Rodman, but I mean, look at the player that they do compare to Dennis Rodman. Jeremy Sochan is another type of player like a Dylan Brooks, an attitude guy who can play defense. So now nah, this is the perfect move for the Washington Wizards. Get him here because we need more dogs and we need to solidify this defense. Because if we have any hope of slowing down these elite teams in the East, we need to start with a defensive presence on the court. So I think this is a good – if we made this move, I think it was a a, re, a really, really solid move for this offseason going forward for us, man. Right. Um, he He's a good – He's a, I think he's a, a really good defender. Um, per basketball index, uh, for the point of attack defenders in our defense, in their defense impact metric, D, LeBron – this season, Alex Russo was number one. Javon Carter was number two. De'Anthony Melton was number three. Dennis Smith Jr. was number four. Derek Wright was number five. Jaden McDaniels was six. Josh Hart was seven. Dylan Brooks was eighth in the league. Uh, people who had the toughest defensive assignment based on basketball index matchup difficulty rating, Drew Holiday was number one. Dylan Brooks came in ninth. Uh, just to give context, Lou Dort was number three. Andrew Nimhart was number four. Quentin Grimes was number five. Jaden McDaniels was number six. OG Ananobi came in with seventh. Uh, at seven, PJ Tucker came in at eight. So Dylan Brooks is in that group, man. Um, and that shows his matchup difficult. He's, he's like you said, Brandon, he's willing to take on the toughest assignment. He's not scared. He's like a PJ Tucker kind of defender. Um, you think about Grant Williams from the Celtics, guys like that are just big, versatile, can move their feet and who are not scared to guard uh, the best player on the team. So you think about a lineup with, you know, DeLon Wright, Brad and Dylan Brooks. I know it's not the best offensive lineup, but at least you get stops. And you know how bad our defense is. We're just thirsty for defenders and defensive-minded guys. I think Wes Oso Jr. would like um, Dylan Brooks, uh, even though, you know, kind of personalities. Would, would Wes Oso Jr. be able to, you know, coach up Dylan Brooks or, you know, good chemistry good chemistry with, with Dylan Brooks and have him play the way he wants him to? Because we've seen Wes Oso Jr. kind of have a tough time uh, dealing with tough personalities or people who are uh, um, eccentric kind of guys. He struggled with that with Montrose Harrell. So, I mean, how would he do with Dylan Brooks? Would he, would he be able to coach him up um, the way he wants to? So that's that's the concern with him coming here. But I think Dylan Brooks knows this 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 might be his last chance with another team because of the bad rap he, he's got right now. He, he doesn't want to be kind of blackballed from the league. I mean, the Grizzlies, that statement to say under any circumstance, that's kind of a – that feels like almost towards black ball territory. Like this is the last chance you got. And if it doesn't work here, work out here with the, with other, with any other team that he has or signs with next year, then he may be with the Shanghai Sharks. No, not to the Shanghai Sharks or anybody like that. The other teams in China, but if it doesn't work out here, just because of the bad rap and the narrative, you know, if you diss LeBron and it doesn't work out, it just looks so bad right now. He's kind of the kicking board of the league. Everybody's he's the butt of all jokes. Everybody's making fun of him. But honestly, if you watch basketball, you know this guy is a productive player. He's not trash. He can contribute to a team. And he's been – look at the Grizzlies last year, that grit and grind. Everybody was like, oh, Dylan Brooks is a good player last year because of the way the Grizzlies played, and he was a part of that. 
around John Moran, him, Jaron Jackson. For him to be a second-round pick in the way the, the career that he's carved out so far, Dylan Brooks has been a productive player in this league for sure. Yeah, but the, like you said, that's crazy to me because you're going to blackball this guy for talking trash. Like, he didn't hurt nobody. I mean, you know, he's had his moments. I get it. He's, he's, he's come at a lot of people in the league. I get that, man. But there's been a lot of guys who've done that. I mean, Ron Artest, really? <laughs> I mean, for real, what are you talking? It's, just, it's crazy to me, man. It, it really is. Because if you look at a, a similar player, Draymond Green, you know, Draymond Green, I mean, he's a nut cruncher. And he, I, I mean, look, <laughs> what are we talking about? You know, he, he's stepping on people's stomachs and stuff, man. I mean, it's just, it's, 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 it's so soft, man. Like, this dude is a dog. You gonna get on him about talking trash to LeBron? Come on, man. No, bring him to DC. We we need you. We want you. Come on, because that's the identity of the city, man. We that's how we roll. So now we need a, we need the dog in this roster, man. Because again, it's just yeah, he's not trash. He's a good player, and right now his value's down. So this is right now is the time to grab him, man. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna say if if I was a GM, now I'll say this before we move on, man. That Bob Myers being GM would be the likelihood of signing Dylan Brooks would be higher with Bob Myers because he knows how to deal with those type of personalities. You know, mm-hmm. he knows how to deal with Draymond, you know, Jordan, you know, there's been, you know, examples of Jordan Poole and Draymond going at it. And he knows how to deal with these type of personalities. Now, if we go ahead and get a guy who's a first time GM, I don't see him making that move just because, you know, a first time GM is not going to bring a guy with, you know, with character issues, quote unquote, being a first time GM. So yeah, the only way I see him coming to DC is if Bob Myers or, Uzeria is somebody who's a long tenure GM coming in that knows how to deal with those type of personalities. Because it's the same thing with Uzeria, man. You know, DeMar DeRozan, you know, he's, he's dealt with guys who are dogs, man, who got attitudes, you know. So that's the only way I see it. So, um, but we're going to go ahead and move on. Next, we're going to talk about Daniel Gafford, the landlord, and how we grade him this season. But before we move on, tonight's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors for a championship team. It's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure that every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for it. A green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, right fit, and right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So we're going to slide into Daniel Gafford, the landlord, how we grade him this year. So before uh, we get into it, Daniel Gafford averaged nine points this year. Uh, he shot 73% from the field, five and a half rebounds, and one and a half blocks. So, E, what would you grade? Uh, what were the plus and the minuses about Daniel Gafford, and what do you grade him? Well, Daniel Gaffer, he, he had a lot of positive things this year. Um, offensive rating, he was third in the league at 135.5, of course, because, you know, a lot of his shots are donks, layups, you know, easy baskets. Um, his offensive rebounder, his offensive rebound percentage, he ranked 15th, 11.7. He was 13th in the NBA with blocks in 99. He was 16th in blocks per game with 1.3. Uh, ninth in the league at block percentage with 5.2. Um, there were a lot of good things with Daniel Gafford. Daniel Gafford actually, he ought not actually he also had 10 doubles, double doubles this season. I think he could have had more um, games without Porzingis this year. He averaged 13 points, eight boards, and two blocks per game, uh, and 15 games without Chris Has Porzingis. So there was a lot of positives to Porzingis. Now, the start of the year when he was coming off the bench, 
Um, he was bad, man. We talked about it, like how much he was dropping the ball, being pushed around, flopping around, missing shots around the rim. He just wasn't good. And um, he started to play better. And then, you know, Denny couldn't hit a three. He couldn't hit a shot at all. And um, West Enslow Jr. made the decision to put Gafford in the, in the lineup. And, and Gafford and Porzingis, it, it did work out for a couple of games. It worked against the Timberwolves where we won that game. It worked against uh, a couple of a couple of teams where we, we went on a win streak with Gafford. Gafford had a big uh, game-winning putback against the Pistons as well. Where we barely beat the Pistons in Detroit. Um, so he had some really good moments. Now, look. The cons for Gaff is still he's getting pushed around. Still he's getting he's flopping around, um, and his game is just limited. He is what he is. He's not going to step out and knock down a three. He's barely going to step out and hit a, even a free throw jumper. And you saw towards the, the last couple games of the year when they were developing Brad Sat, Kuz Sat, Porzingis Sat. He was trying to do post moves. He was trying to do hook shots, up and under, spin moves, all kinds of stuff. So it's like okay, let's let's see if you can do that while Porzingis and Kuz and Brad are there. So that's my question mark for him. And then is he worth the contract durability? Yes, he, he did play what 70 something games this year. He did play 78 games, started 47, but there's so many games where he's leaving a game, he's hurt because he fell on the ground, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I, I, I like Gaff, but we know what he is. He's in that same tier as like Clint Capella, where he's a rim running big. He needs to have a point guard that can set him up. And at times we just didn't have guys that could really get him easy baskets. Like when he played with Russell Westbrook, that's when Gaff was at his peak. That's when you got the best out of Gaff because you got a guy that could give him easy lobs, easy dunks, um, easy baskets. But when you don't have that, you know, he, he's just not as productive. So that's that's just my concern with him. And is he worth paying? Uh, what, what is his contract? I'm just going to look up his contract here really quick. Um, sorry, I didn't already have it up, guys, or people who are listening. But that contract is about to kick in, you know, because right now we had him at before I'm on spot right right now. This season coming up to 2023 2024 season, his um, his year salary is going to go up to 12 million, then 2025 is going to be 13, then 2026 is going to be 14, which is not bad, it's not great either. So, um, if he's going to be coming off the bench next year, it's not it's not great. But if he's if he's going to start next to Porzingis, I think it's a good deal. But you know, can two bigs work? You saw what happened with the Cavs with Jared Allen, and Evan Mobley. It didn't work out, and then with the Timberwolves, Rudy Gobert and Carl Towns, it didn't work out either. So can it work out here? And there's a lot of games where we got dominated too. Anthony Davis put up 55 on them. Valanciunas put up like 20 and, and 10, or Vooch t- double doubles. There was a lot of times where our bigs were just getting pushed around, and uh, bigs would come in here and dominate. So that's the concern, too, just him being pushed around. Can he hold his ground and be strong? Yeah, I totally agree, man. I think that he needs to add some muscle. Now, not a lot because he's a live threat. You know, you don't want to get too heavy. But I think that he definitely needs to add muscle so he can bang with those bigger bigs, man. Uh, rebounds, like you said, he believe the average around eight when KP was out of the lineup. With him in the lineup, if they go forward with him and KP, I'd like to see him around seven and a half rebounds kind of add a couple of rebounds to his total, but um, he worked on his game. You know, that's all you can ask for from your players, man. Um, defensively, offensively, he was efficient offensively in the, in the paint. Defensively, you know, one and a half blocks. So he was a defender. Um, he worked on post moves. Look, when he first came to D.C., he he had no moves. Now he's got moves. You know, he's starting to put the ball on the floor. He's starting to, so he's working on his game. I mean, mid-range jump, jumper. He was starting to hit mid-range jumpers. So he's working on his game. That, that To me, that's a big plus. Um, 
confidence. I mean, that, you know, that's one thing that's always synonymous with other players in this roster, such as the young guys like Corey Kispert and Denny Avia. But, you know, Gafford, you know, he, he, like you said, early in the year, he had low confidence in this show, man. You know, he, you know, you see him, you know, slapping his hands, going down the court, you know, showing frustration. But when he had confidence later in the year, man, he was a totally different player. I mean, he, he was playing at a high level. So looking at his contract, you know, being a backup, yeah, I, I see your point with you know 12 to 13 to 14 million but here's the thing though he you know he can he can start so another team can look at that and say look i got a cheap option right here for a starting center so i mean you know so i think that he does have value and he could be a chip that could be moved but like i said it's tough to say right now because we just don't know what the roster construction is right now obviously because you know we're just getting into the offseason and playoffs isn't over yet but yeah, I mean, I, I love what I saw from Gaff, man. You know, he really took a step forward this year. You know, his defense was on point. You know, he he worked on his offensive repertoire, and that's and that that was the biggest knock that I said all year and in the offseason going into this previous season was he was so one dimensional offensively. You know, he was a lot of threat, and that was about it. And he worked on it. He worked on it. So, yeah, I mean, going forward, I I don't have a problem with the contract. You know, I like Gaff. He's shown enough to me to where he has enough value to where twelve million is not bad. So. So yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> I I don't really have much. I mean, negative say because to me, he played that well this year. Now, obviously, early in the year, you know, the foul trouble, but he, like I said, from the beginning of the season to the end of the season, man, he steadily got better. So I have no problem with him being here long term. So um, before I give my grade and uh, our grade, rather, my bet, um, he's gonna do a ad at night. Today's episode is brought to you by Better Help. It's so easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you and never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself. Think about your friends, um, family members. Sometimes it's just easy to get caught up in helping them out or doing things for them. When they call you up and they need a ride or something like that, you're just caught up in that. You just need to sit back and focus on yourself for once, kick your feet up, and use Better Help. But when we spend all of our time giving, it can leave us feeling stretched thin and burned out. Therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. If you're thinking about if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, so other uh, numbers that I found about Daniel Gafford, uh, most box house per 36 minutes. Um, Daniel Gafford was ninth in the league. Other guys, Mitchell Robinson was number one. Isaiah Hartenstein was number two. Andre Drummond was number three. William Gabriel, four. Jonas Valanciunas, five. Larry Nance, six. Steven Adams, seven. Bismack Biombo eight. Daniel Gafford, nine. And uh, Jock Landell at 10. Um, so that shows that Daniel Gaffer was good with boxing out. Um, but there was another stat that said bigs who grabbed the lowest percentage of rebound chances they have. Uh, Daniel Gaffer was eight with 48%. Um, so, I mean, Daniel Gafford, I think he's a good rebounder. I didn't want him to rebound more. Same thing with Porzingis. But the question mark, too, is, um, you know, can him and Porzingis coexist together? I thought they did a good job playing together. I thought the lineup, the starting uh, five with them was better than what it was with, with Denny and the numbers show that it was still good with Denny, but I think uh, with Porzingis and Gafford, I thought they did play well uh, together and it gave uh, Porzingis a, a chance to play at the four 
where Gafford, I mean, where Prince started to knock down more threes. And he didn't have to bang down low as much. He didn't have to bang down low as much on defense. Gafford was the guy who had, who had to handle those bigger bigs like Giannis Valanciunas, um, Anthony Davis when he dominated us. Uh, that didn't work out because they both got dominated. But it, it just showed that, you know, it gave Porzingis a break on his body where Gafford would have to do some of the dirty work. So, you know, I mean, people say that they don't like Porzingis and Gafford starting. Um, that would be better with Kuz at the four or another kind of big, like a Jared Vanderbilt at the four, somebody else who can bang and stretch the floor. So all that makes sense, too. Uh, but I thought I thought they played pretty well together for the most part. I, I don't think they're the reason why we didn't make the playoffs that lineup. Um, but we just didn't have enough talent, and uh, we just didn't finish games. Um, but, yeah, for a grade, I thought Gaffer was good. And you look where, where he came from a couple years ago, where he was winded. He would get tired. Uh, within the first two minutes of a game, he had sports asthma. That's what they said or something. That's what he said or something like that. Uh, he would get in foul trouble. He stopped getting in foul trouble as much. So I thought he improved in that so much. Um, so I, I could probably give him like a B, B minus, you know, kind of like the other guys. I think all of our guys are good rotational guys. None of these guys are stars or have any star power or really star potential. But I think he would be, he probably will go down as the best Tommy Shepard trade to really trade um Troy Brown Jr. Mo Wagner for Daniel Gafford to get the production that you got out of a guy who's a second round pick who really wasn't playing well with the Bulls at all I mean you you really got something out of this guy so um I, I probably give him like a B you know the first half of the year was an F and then he played so much better he, he worked himself up to a B dang an F <laughs> he was, he was awful. He yeah he was I'm with bad. you man <laughs> yeah. um I'm with you man I'm rolling with a B I give him a B because uh to me you know, as the year went along, man, he got better. You know, he he worked on his game. And, and that's what you want to see from, especially a young player, man. He worked on his game. Now, going forward, like I said, it's just a lot that could happen before now and the beginning of the next year, man. But um, I'm with you. As far as starting, I don't know. I mean, if, if you bring back KP, are you comfortable paying your backup center $12 million? I you know, that's a question that this organization is going to have to have. And, you know, the GM is definitely going to explore that because it's tough, $12 million for a backup. But then again, um, I, I really, to me, the philosophy for ownership is to change. If, if Ted is willing to go into the luxury to really improve this team, if he's intent on really building it around Bradley Bill, then you then keep Gaff. You know, it's good. I mean, it's good to have that type of center on the second unit. So it just, it, like I said, it, it's so many dynamics to this, man, because, you know, you got questions at ownership. You got questions with incoming GMs. Just, you know, we don't know what moves going to be made. You know, we don't know. I mean, because he very well could be a, a trade chip, you know, especially if you're trying to get a veteran point guard, if you indeed bring the solid three back. So, you know, there's just a lot of questions going into this offseason to really, really, really know what a concrete role for Daniel Gafford in this organization would be. But, I mean, look, I, I want him here. I think he's done well. He's improved every year he's been here. Um, like you said, he started out as an F. I mean, he was just – he was, he was hot garbage at the beginning of the year, man. And he got better. He got better. And, and he's my guy, man. He's my adopted player on this team, man. You know, I've adopted Daniel Gaff as my guy because I just I love his drive. I love the fact that he's worked on his game. You know, he he's really hard. has. Oh, absolutely. And like you said, <laughs> like you said, <laughs> like you said, rebounds can't get better. But I mean, I just I really don't have much negative to say because he just he got better with the years. I mean, because the biggest the biggest in the beginning of the year, the biggest issues I had with Gaff was the daggone foul trouble. I mean, he's he's quick. To, you know I mean, one pump fake, he's off his feet. You know, you know, he's got to work on his defensive uh, footing, man. Um, and confidence again. You know, confidence is really the mo for a lot of guys on this team. So 
Yeah, it's, it's tough to really, really talk about a concrete role for Daniel Gafford because we just don't know what's going to happen going forward. You know, KP stays. Now, I know that KP, the likelihood of him staying is, is higher, in my opinion, than it would be with uh, Kyle Kuzma. So do you play them together in the starting lineup? I don't know, man, because, yeah, it works sometimes, but I don't think it was effective enough to really be a lineup going forward. Is And I just, you know, three-point shooting took a hit. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a good lineup against certain matchups, man, but I don't know if I'm comfortable, you know, with KP and Gaff starting in, in in the same lineup together going forward 82 games. I just I don't see it, man. So, yeah, I'm going to roll with the B, man, because I feel like he improved all year round. So that's what I'm rolling with. Yeah. So I'm with you on that. Yeah, it's questionable with the lineup. We'll see um, where they go in that direction. Gafford's a guy that possibly could be traded to. You never know. Um, I do think – I think he has some value. Not a first-round pick or anything like that, but maybe a couple second-round picks or you get a solid player in return. So kind of just like the other guys. I think they're all just similar in a sense. Like Corey, you're not going to get much for him. Denny, you're just not going to get much for him either. But they're solid players all in that B, B-minus range, all rotational guys. Um, but like you said, Gafford um, – he, he did improve somewhat with his discipline on defense and just not fouling so much. Um, and uh, he showed some post moves towards the end of the year. He really did. That that Miami game, um, I had that number up somewhere. It was the Miami game towards the, the game that we should, had no business winning. Uh, he had 22 points and eight boards. And um, that was in 23 minutes. He had 22 points in 23 minutes. Then against the Hawks, he had 25 points and 10 boards. And he had 25, 25 points in 23 minutes. So he showed a lot of improvement. But um, we're going to wrap it up here. Um, just want to thank you guys for listening, making Locked on Wizards your first listen every day. Now for our next episode, most likely we will be grading uh, either Monte Morris or DeLon Wright. We're going to take a look at the point guards. Um, and then eventually we'll look at Todd Gibson and Jay Huff um, and give those guys a grade, a grade as well. And then we're going to talk about uh, something that Ramona Shelburne said on Craig Hoffman's uh, radio show about what's on so junior having to say in the uh, new GM. So I just want to thank you guys for listening. Make sure you guys subscribe and hit the notification bell. Hail to the Wizards. Peace.